0: Week Thanksgiving season and many families do their best to get together and and come back home and share and make memories of what they've done in the past and what their goals and plans are for the future. So uh, it's a time of getting together and doing. Of course, the video was was pretty cool about that. So. Uh, Thanksgiving being a time for reunions. It's a, a time to catch up with each other in the family. Sometimes families get jobs or situations that drive them uh, to another area for a residence, and they don't see their family as often as they should have. I, I am a, a real <coughs> happy, I guess, I guess I'll just use that word, to get all my family together. When my siblings and I get together, which we only do that maybe once or twice a year, and we really um, tear the walls down. We, we laugh the whole time we're together uh, of whatever it is, even serious subjects. Uh, we make jokes out of them. Colonoscopy is even funny when we get together. Amen? So everything we do as a family when we get together is fun. We make it that way and it's really good. It's a time for sharing what's good, what's bad, and everything and even making plans or or moving forward. It's a time to gather around the table for a meal and everything is really neat in doing that. Well, I want you to know I want to speak this morning about family. Now, I can tell you, If you have a concordance or you have any kind of a study Bible at all, and you look up to study family in the Bible, you're going to be there quite a while. There is tons in the Scripture that Christ and the Word of God and even the prophets and the letters, and they all talk about family and how important family is. So, let me go to the Lord in prayer, then we'll open our Bibles up a little bit, uncover some of those scriptures, and move forward in thinking on family when it comes to the things that God wants us to do, amen? Father, we thank you for the time we have together. We thank you for the families you've given us, and a lot of times we joke about The fact that um, we get to choose our church, but we don't get to choose our family. We're born into it, and yet, Lord, we are thankful for those that uh, have family around that can turn to, because there are folks that family are too far away, too much has separated over the years, too many things happened in families to break them up, and we ask, Lord, that you would give us a week this week To uh, focus on our families and the love we have one for another in our family that all things would work out to be what you'd have us to be and we think on your family God called the church so ask you Lord just to bless our time together help us in every way and we'll praise you for it in Jesus name amen amen Amen. Uh, hopefully each of us will take a little time to stop for a while and Be thankful for all the blessings God has given us and sent our way, both in our natural family and our spiritual family. The family unit was designed by God. He did not make a mistake when he did that, and it came straight from his heart straight from his mind that the family should be something that we can enjoy and be a part of. As soon as God created the world, he saw it needed a family. Did you know that? Genesis 1. I'm going to read verse 26 through 28. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing, ee, that creepeth me, upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said... Unto them, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So God wanted it to be a family scenario. Do you know that even the animal kingdom have families? Huh, isn't that neat? God created all of that. Um, Family was a central part of their survival. Amen? You know, if you was just a a lone antelope out on the prairie, you'd have a lot of people after you that wanted it. But if you're in a herd of antelope, um, you're less likely to be uh, attractive to maybe uh, the different kinds uh, animals in this world that are prey on that kind of animal for survival. God created each segment of animals, and they and He told them in verse twenty-four, "Bring forth after His kind." And that's something. Cows still produce cows, huh? Dogs still produce dogs. Mosquitoes still produce mosquitoes. Even though we try to get rid of them, they're still there. In the animal kingdom, you have to realize that they don't have, if you would, the vocabulary or the mental capacity that maybe a human would have, but there are two things you see in every animal that become instinctive for them to take care of. One is survival of the fittest. Amen? You got to learn to survive. And number two, the one that I like is species survival. You know what that means? That means if you want to know how that works, just get between a mother bear and her cubs. She will teach you species survival. Amen? Amen. That's just, the, it's part of them for her to take care of them. Or it doesn't matter what animal it is. If you corner it, it'll show you survival of the fittest amen I remember a guy um, back way back when I lived as a boy back in Jamestown him and a friend were walking down the railroad tracks and uh, they saw this groundhog going down through there and it ran under the rail between two ties you know they have ties down and rails going across them and there was a a hole there this ground hole came running up there and they both saw it said so, look at that let's go get him they started after him. he ran in that hole under the rail but between the ties and they couldn't and he couldn't get out without backing out so one of them put his foot in that hole and held him right there he said let's catch him and take him back and he said they weren't very far from the barn he said i'll run up and get a feed sack we'll put him in it so he ran up and got it and both of them got down on their knees grabbed that feed sack pulled his foot off of there, and that groundhog just about tore all their arms and legs off trying to get out of there. They learned a lesson. You can't trap an animal because he has an instinct to survive, and you can get hurt. You can do that with raccoons. You can do that with about anything. Even a squirrel will let you know. Uh, he doesn't want to be uh, cornered or feel threatened in any way because they're going to come out fighting with everything they got. Amen. God put that instinct in them. Of course, we even see it in the animal world, uh, and we call it jealousy and envy and all kinds of different things. But uh, sometimes it just has to expose itself when we're uh, where we shouldn't be. And it has has been said that what takes place with a family is what needs to be done. You can say and do about anything you want to with people down the street. But don't say it to my about my family. Amen? So if you do that, and I, I even think that's even good to understand even in the natural family as well as the spiritual family. Amen? God just made us that way. We're protective of our family, of our brothers and sisters, and uh, those in the even in the church. And since God put that in us, we need to channel our reactions to those around us in a godly manner, so that it would be pleasing to God when they do try to what you might want to say, run somebody down, or or say something bad about them, or uh, express their Uh, feelings in one way or another about your family members. Let them know that God don't want us to act like that. Amen. We've seen the last couple years what happens in a school board meeting on the evening news when the school board tries to force things on children that parents aren't wanting their children to be taught. Amen. Well, they make the evening news too, don't they? And there's chairs being thrown and words being said and man, oh man, the police have to come in and break up the school board meetings because what the parents think is being damaged to their children, boy, that's just as bad as getting between a mother bear and her cub sometimes. Amen? We also see how parents react when they lose a child to a senseless act of violence, both for the perpetrator and for the victim. It amazes me that when this somebody, uh, well, does something wrong, the police come along, he tries to fight the police, the police fight back, they try to, and it ends up being a riot, amen? And in some cases, there have been some people that uh, the police, to protect themselves, had to use deadly force. It's it's happened. Okay, not saying it's the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. It just happened, and I can understand the situation. I know if somebody came after my family and threatened them, I probably uh, know how to use a weapon too, and it might be that I'd have to use deadly force. I hope not, but it's a possibility. But I've heard of those cases where and then the, the mother of the one that fought it and beat up the police and robbed the convenience store and stole and everything else they put him on there as the victim rather than the perpetrator on the news and the mother gets up and snots and cries and he was such a wonderful boy. He's got a rap sheet this long. He's been in trouble all through school then he quit school then he's been in gangs all over the city, and his mother, oh, he was such a wonderful boy. Yeah, well, uh, I know. That's what God puts in us when he made us in our own image, amen? But even the first family that God created, to me, was a very dysfunctional family. I mean, we had Adam and Eve. And Eve chose to go against what God told him not to do. Don't eat of that tree. You know what she wanted to do? Almost it seems like instinctively she ran to that tree to do what she was told not to do. And if that's not bad enough, she gave to her husband that was with her. Eat it or else. Amen? (laughs) Sounds like a casserole, don't it? Amen? Well... If that's not bad enough, then we got Cain and Abel. Wow! He gained, Cain killed his brother Abel in a moment of rage over his own shortcoming. He was the one that was wrong, and he killed his brother because of it. How dysfunctional a family was that? Amen. Sometimes we just need to stop and take a good look at the situation and find ourselves uh, to learn how to respond rather than react. Sometimes we just react out of whatever, and it gets us in more trouble than if we would just took a minute to think about it and get it right. In the, in the, I'm of the opinion that I'm already had enough enemies. I don't need to work on. Building a a better family, I need to make sure my family is taken care of, both natural family and spiritual family, because I don't need any more enemies than I already have. Amen? Even if we've made wrong choices, God has built in us a sense of responsibility. Amen? Amen. A lot of times when you lie, nobody has to tell you, that's a lie. As soon as you tell it, you know you know the truth. Amen. So God has built in us a way to say, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Amen. That wasn't what I meant to do or that's not what I should be doing. However you want to look at it. Um, and along with uh, all of that, that, he puts in us that we need to be big enough to say, I forgive you. And mend the issue, rather than have it, tear us apart. Amen? In all our families, we see things that others have chosen to do that we would not have gone down that path in our life the way they've gone down that path in their lives. But it's their choice. Amen? Now, they have made that choice, but they also have the consequences of that to face. But families are made up of individuals. Every time there's a decision to be made in somebody's life, they don't call home and call a a meeting around the couch and turn the TV off and turn the radio off, turn their phones off and sit down and talk it over. Should I or should I not? No, most of the time it's just a reaction rather than a response, and they get themselves in a lot of trouble doing those kind of things and when they get in those messes they also have to know they have to stand accountable for all their choices that they've made all of us probably could point to our children say they did something i wish they hadn't done that because i know down the road that's going to cause them problems well sometimes uh, the best teacher is experience and sometimes we just got to take our hands off let them learn But then when they um, find out the error of their way, we also need to be there to love them and put them back on the right path, not to point a bony finger and say, I told you so. Nobody likes to hear that. Amen, do they, Bonnie? Oh, no, we don't like that. Amen. All right, so uh, I've made choices, and I have uh, done some things that uh, I don't think my family would approve of, But they've done some things that I don't approve of, but I still love them. I'm still going to be there for them. They're still my family. Amen? And we love to celebrate with our families. We go to their graduations. We go to the kids' school plays, their sports games. We go to their weddings. We go to their anniversaries, their birthdays, and their... New additions to the family are celebrated with pictures and presents and, oh, and all their accomplishments and the retirements. And no wonder we're, we're broke by the time we get to go to their funerals. Amen. We even have to share funerals with them. Amen. All these strike at the heartstrings of just being a family. Amen? There's good times, there's bad times, but we're just always a family. Amen? Now I'm going to turn back to Mark, the third chapter in the scripture, so uh, turn there if you want. But this is a time in the life of Jesus Christ where he a lot of times gets criticized for his response to what's taking place here. And in this particular text or setting in the scripture Jesus has just chose his twelve apostles and he's training them because he knows there's a lot of kingdom work he's got to get done in less than three years he don't have much time and I don't know about you but you take anybody and you take them into a field of expertise that they know nothing about three years is kind of a short period of time to get them ready to go. I used to be the lead tech in lawn and garden for Sears and Roebuck Company. They would hire somebody, and I would tell them, they're not gonna fully be on their own or able to do this job correctly for three years. There's just that much to know. There's that much experience to get. I'm sure I can teach them how to change a spark plug in a matter of seconds. But sparks plug is not always the problem when you go to fix something. So I, it takes about three years to do that. So when I think about Jesus only being on this earth for three years and only having 12 of them to, to, to and man, was they a bunch, to train in what he wanted them to do, he gets them together and says to them, I want you guys to be all ready to go and take over this kingdom that I'm going to, Start. I'm going to build my church and you guys are going to run it after I'm gone in just a few years. Now, he didn't say it in those words, but we've read the rest of the book and we know what he was talking about when he said some of these things. But after Jesus had appointed his 12 disciples, then they tried to get them all to come together as friends. You can read that from verse 14 down through verse 19. I'm not going to read that to you. It lists the the names of those Uh, 12 apostles, and that he wanted them to come together to do the work in the kingdom of God. And then in verse 21, it says, And when his friends heard of it, oh, sometimes even your friends disagree with you. Did you know that? Verse 22. And the scribes, which came from Jerusalem, they had something to say about it. Huh. Now, was Jesus doing the right thing? As you look back, and look, well, absolutely. He was spot on doing the right thing, but it didn't please the friends. It didn't please the scribes. Amen? Everybody's got their opinion. He was right on, but it says in verse 21, his, his friends spoke against him. Actually, the word friends in another translation is his own people his own family his own acquaintances his own close relationship people if you would they had something to say about it and the scribes they had something to say about it they even accused him of having a devil oh, you're a Beelzebub that's the devil in case you didn't know that but that's who he was talking about there and he said, he said I can't be of the devil and then he went on to teach a house divided itself cannot stand so if I'm the devil and I'm casting out devils, that's a house divided. It won't stand, right? That makes sense. And yeah, well, that rolls over into our house too. A house divided against itself cannot stand. That goes for a church. That goes for any relation. That goes for a company. That goes for whatever. If you're divided with the people that are involved there, it's not going to stand. He tells us that in verse 24 and 25. Now, after settling all that turmoil, all those problems, friends, the smart people, everybody, he put them in their place, and then it, and it's uh, getting all that stirred up against him. In verse 31 to 35, I'm going to read that to you because then his family shows up. There came then his brethren and his mother, and standing without, sent unto him, calling him, And the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren seek for thee. Okay, let's just put it in today's setting. Let's say my mom and my brothers and sisters were in the parking lot, say, hey, dude, come here, I want to show you something. And I'm in the middle of doing some great work for God, right? I had time to sit down and hold on, you guys just wait, I got to go settle this family argument, and I'll be back. And uh, they probably wanted to argue over who gets the next funeral plot next to mom. I don't know what they wanted to argue about, but they had arguments they had to get to straightened out. And, that, and he says to them, he answered and said unto them, who is my mother and my brethren? That's a question. And he looked around about them, which it sat about him and said, behold, my mother and my brethren. Now he wasn't talking natural family. He was talking spiritual family. And there are times when spiritual family, whether you like it or not, trumps natural family. Amen? You're gonna find that out in a few weeks. Amen? Because we got a we don't have a service on Christmas Day. We're going to have a service on New Year's Day. And the family wants you to come over and have popcorn balls with them. And we just ain't got time for that when we've got church service to go to. But then he says, And in, uh, behold, my mother, my brother, whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Amen. Now, they're not natural Acquaintances, that family that way, but he's talking about his spiritual family, not his blood family when he reads that. So I want you to know, Bonnie and I were watching TV the other night, bored out of our skulls because it's too dark and too cold to go outside. It was around 20, so we are sitting around, and I had the remote. I'm the head of the house. I get the remote. When she's not there, I get the remote. All right. And so we're sitting there, and she said, well, let's see if there's a good movie on. Flip, 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 flip. Through the first 350 channels, come across one named Elf. How many of you have seen Elf? Oh, isn't that great? Well, let me tell you about a dysfunctional family. Amen? It seems like the dad had a business and he was struggling to get his books written that he needed to get written for his book company to survive in the dog-eat-dog world. And his boss above him was chewing him up and his co-workers were absolutely useless. He wasn't getting anywhere. So they bring in this other guy that's supposed to be the best in the business. And of course, he's a, a small person and he's sitting there talking to all these guys, and they're sitting there just on every word he speaks. They want to take it in, and Elf walks in. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> all right. So anyway, Elf says to that guy, Hey, another Elf. Well, that offends the guy, and they get into a big fight, and they get that... And they tear up the whole boardroom. And all across the table he runs. And oh, it's it's a mess. But uh, in this, the dad loses his grip on reality and he tells the elf, get out of here. Don't ever come back. I don't know you. I don't ever want to see you again. Has your dad ever said that to you? Well, I wouldn't think so. I'd hope not. But he hurt the elf's feeling and he leaves. But When cooler heads prevail and Christmas is about to be destroyed because there's no spirit of Christmas around, Elf comes to the rescue and the rest of the family get involved and they save Christmas. Hallelujah. Wasn't that wonderful? Well, Jesus was in a very important time in his ministry and guess who shows up to throw cold water on his dreams. His friends, his co-workers, and his family. Amen? So while Jesus was focused on the kingdom work, Jesus told us in verse 33, who is my brother and my sisters and my mother, spiritually speaking? And he pointed to the congregation and said that they were the ones that filled that role. Amen? And then he said to those that were in agreement with a spiritual vision, and he said unto them, in verse 35, whosoever doeth the will of my father, they are the ones that are my mother, or the church, and my brothers and sisters, co-workers in the kingdom of God. Those that love the idea of being the family of God. Although we don't know what Jesus' next steps were because in the reference it's a chapter break and the next thing we see in chapter 4 verse 1 is Jesus alongside the seashore of Galilee teaching about a sower that went forth to sow seed so we don't know after he explained to everybody about the kingdom and how important the kingdom of God is to him whether he said and thank you for your attention I'm going to go see my mom and brothers and sisters now no mention of Joseph, so we don't have any idea what happened to Joseph. Of course, uh, Mary had seven children. Did you know that? And so Mary had seven children. They list them in the Bible and, and maybe even more than that. But, uh, and I'm assuming that they are all uh, children from Joseph. And so uh, uh, we don't know after Jesus is 12 years old, we never hear of Joseph in that family matter anymore. Don't know if he passed away or, um, I don't know. You just, you, your imagination is wherever it can take you on that. But uh, although we don't know what Jesus was thinking of, he probably, in my heart, and I think it, it would be the heart of God, to say, okay, now I have done what I'm supposed to do here with the spiritual family. Now I want to go see my natural family. Well, I'm thankful y'all came out today because we're a spiritual family. But now this week, Take time to get with your natural family and enjoy them, amen? Go and accommodate what they want to do and and have a good time together while you do it. There are other scriptures uh, that include this family. And even on the cross, when Jesus was uh, about to die on Matthew, I'm sorry, in John 19, verse 26 and 27, Jesus was hanging on by a breath, hanging on by a thread. His life is about to go out of his body, and in, uh, in that we see in John 19, 26, that when Jesus therefore saw his mother at the foot of the cross and a disciple named John standing by her, he made sure she was taken care of. I'm sure Jesus filled that role for the 33 years he was on earth. But now he's leaving. He's gotta turn that responsibility over to someone else. So he said, woman, behold thy son. And then he says to John, behold thy mother. Take her, keep her. And the scripture says that he took her from that hour and, put her, and took her into his own home and took care of Mary from that point forward. That's what families do, amen? When I think about Jesus asking John to care for his family while he's on the cross, I wonder, who cared for her prior to that moment? Well, it must have either been Jesus or one of the other seven siblings. Uh, we don't know. It doesn't have any scripture to back it up anyway, one way or the other, but at least he was mindful that that was his mother that was at the cross. Now, there wasn't very many there. And matter of fact, There was only one disciple mentioned. You would have thought the 12 he'd spent three years with would have been a little closer in proximity to that situation to see if they could lend a hand or do something, but no mention of them being there. God's desire for us is to keep our families um, in our hearts and care for them deeply. And many scriptures reveal the heart of God on that topic including one of the Ten Commandments. It says, honor thy father and thy mother. And after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, the real family of God spiritually is the focus of much of the rest of the Bible. It's the church, the bride of Christ, the brethren, the flock of God, the children of God, Those are the terms used as we look into all the rest of what we would call the New Testament teachings that Christ taught us to focus on. In Galatians, the third chapter, there's a few verses here that actually kind of sparked me when I was studying this. In verse number twenty-six, let me read verse twenty-six down through verse twenty-nine. It says, "For ye are the children of God." See, I told you you were the children of God. How do you get there? By faith in Christ Jesus. You're not born into the family of God; you get there by faith. Well, I'm going to explain that a little bit. For as many of you, for as many as you, many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is therefore, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now here's what he's talking about in verse 26. He says four, what's that mean? Because ye are the children of God. How'd you get there? By faith. Amen? That's how you got to be the one that is in Christ Jesus. I've heard many times that some have concluded that just by being alive makes you a child of God. But that's not necessarily true. That's not how it works. You are a child of God in the flesh, but you're not a child of God in the spirit until by faith you've made a connection with Jesus Christ. Amen? All right. So I want you to know that's not the end of the message when they say we're all children of God. You ever heard anybody say that? Oh, God loves us all. God wouldn't turn his back on any of us. That's not the Bible I've read. Because there are people in the Bible that God says, that's what you want? Have at it. The judgment will fall. Amen? So we need to be sure that we are doing what we need to be doing to make sure we are the child of God God wants us to be. Amen? You see, just being in church doesn't make you a a Christian. That's like saying, if you were in a hospital, you're a doctor. Or if you walk through the garage, you're a car. No, it doesn't work that way. No, you have to earn the responsibility and the right to say, I want to be in God's family. There's some rules, responsibility, some choices that each of us have to make if we want to be part of God's family. Jesus even made it even more clear when he was talking to Nicodemus in the third chapter of John. He said, you must be born again. No way around it. Amen. Without being born again, you won't even see the kingdom of God, let alone be part of it. Amen. You're naturally born into the family of God, if you would, who uh, gives you the family you're in. You're a natural person in that family. But you've got to be born spiritually to be in God's family, or to be in the church, or to be in His kingdom, or do His will the way God wants you to do it. Verse 27 talks here. It says, for again, you know that means because, right? Right? Because as many as you as have been baptized into Christ. A lot of people think that's water baptism. Every time they see the word baptism, they think of water. Amen. That's not water baptism. If you're baptized, the word baptized means immersed. That means you put into Christ. You are become part of Christ. That's what it says. Uh, You have put on Christ. Now, how do you do that? Like a shirt? put the sleeves in and button it up, then you put on a shirt. Well, that's not how you put on Christ. You put on Christ by obeying his word and allowing his spirit to talk to you. And then he writes his laws on your heart and in your mind. And then you have put Christ on. And when you respond to that, the way the Holy Spirit and the word would have you to, to respond to it. Amen? So I can dunk you in every mud puddle between here and the Mississippi River. And if you don't want to live for Christ, you're not going to. You'll just be a wet center. That's not what that means. This is not a physical work. It's a, um, not a natural work. It's a work by faith in Jesus Christ. That's what he said in verse 26. Now, before you think of being the family of God, make, make sure you're um, doing what you need to do for God and you do it for a right reason. See, a lot of people think they want to come to church because it makes them look better than their neighbor that sits home and drinks coffee till noon and eats donuts and gets fatter. No, that doesn't make you better to be in the church house unless the church itself is part of your life. Amen? You got to be born again. It doesn't make you... Better than someone else, it just makes you more susceptible to God's will in your life. Paul says it this way in verse 28 It's not that you're better than someone else, so whether you're a Jew or a Greek, in Paul's first century society, you was one or the other. In our world, you know, the lines have been blurred. We'd say either you're a Christian or a sinner, if you want to use those terms, a saint or a sinner, however you want to look at it. You're one or the other, you can't be both, right? Yeah, and same way here. You can't be bound and you can't be free. You can't be bound up in, in what this world gives you and then free from what this world requires of you. It doesn't matter whether you're male or female. That's not on the application when it comes to being a Christian. It's not there. Amen? And I'd like to add, it doesn't matter what color you are or how tall you are. It has nothing to do with any of that but in some people's eyes it does. It doesn't matter how much education you have or don't have. It doesn't matter how financially sound you are or not. We're all one only when we're in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen, there's no big I's and little U's in the church. Amen, none of us are better than anyone else. Some of us have more responsibility and it doesn't make us any better We still have to fight the same devil. You have to fight. Amen? Because he'll fight you because he doesn't want you sitting in that pew week after week allowing God's word and God's spirit to speak to your heart and mind. We all came to the church through the same faith and belief in Christ Jesus. And it's by his grace that we are installed into the family of God. Of course, if you look at Verse number 29, it gives us the thought there of being Abraham's seed. That doesn't mean anything to you. Did you are you worried worried about being Abraham's seed? Ah, but now in the first century, that meant a lot to a Jew. You know why they chased heritage. Do you know there's uh, four chapters, or there's uh, two chapters in your Bible, in Luke and in Matthew that are so explicit about chasing the genealogy, to make sure Jesus was born in the right family. Did you know that? Matthew one's 1, you go read it, it'll bore you to tears before you get to verse 18. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. I don't care who, who was married to who and who was daddy and who was, uh, I don't care. You know, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I don't have to be proven to me through genealogy. And Paul says in his letters, don't be chasing that useless genealogy later on. Because he found out, that don't make any difference. It doesn't matter who your daddy is or your mommy is. If you're not a child of God, you're on the outside looking in. Amen. You've got to have your heart right with Christ. You and him have to be on the same page. So here we find that even when I spoke Wednesday or Thursday night about Zacchaeus, and he came down the tree and went to Jesus and him, went to his house, Remember? And he says, salvation has come to this house because you are a seed of Abraham. You know what that term means? You got saved. In the Old Testament writings, that's what it meant. Who did God give his promise of salvation to? Abraham and all his seed. He said they'd be like the stars of heaven or the sea on the seashore. So many, you can't even count them all. I'm looking forward to getting to heaven and seeing so many people, I can't even count them all, and yet I believe when I get there, I'll know them, every one by name. Huh, isn't that something? Yeah, I think I will. I'll even know Noah. He'll be one with the snorkel. <laughs> Amen. There's just a lot of things we'll learn when we get to heaven, right? So when Jesus talks about him being, if you would, a... The seed of Abraham, all he's talking about is salvation, is the New Testament prophecy's fulfillment of the Old Testament God promised his family or his people, amen? God's Word is full of the promises of God to God's people. But there are some requirements, as you all know. God's Word also covers the judgments of God for those who walk contrary to the word of God make up their own minds what's right and wrong no that don't work in the family of God that I know of amen we need to choose which of the two spiritual families we desire to be a part of and do the will of each of the leaders of those two particular families because the day is coming when we're going to set eternity in one of those families or the other family forever based on which family we chose to be a part of in this world. Why not try God's family? Let's do it God's way. Amen. Amen. If you don't like it, the devil will always take you back. He don't care. But give God a try. See if it's not better than what this world has to offer you. Amen. But if you miss the blessings of the kingdom of God, you have only yourself to blame. Amen. So we need to make our family decisions how we want to live and how we want to survive no matter what family we were born into, but the family that Jesus Christ puts us in when we give our heart and life to him in this life. And remember, Jesus never said it'd be easy, just worth it.